you guys, I'm honored to be with you again tonight. I get uh, the privilege of ministering to our youth and young adults on Friday nights, and then whenever Pastor Mike is absent, every once in a while I get to fill in. I think this is my fourth time this year, so uh, we're pretty much comfortable with each other, um, and when you don't like what I have to say, you don't tell me, so thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but I, I wanted to share tonight with you guys, I think so far in my time with the youth group and the young adults group, my favorite month, um, summer camp is always great because um, kids come that we don't always see all year long and it's a great way to kick off their summer. But other than that, I think the month of September was my favorite month so far and our topic for that month was putting God first. Uh, and really what we got to see was uh, in the youth, we had several people come and talk about putting God first in relationships, putting God first in school. Then we had uh, other people come and minister and young adults about putting God first in your career, putting God first in, in your marriage. And there was people that were actually married that were telling us about that. So it was like, whoa, there's proof in the pudding. But, but with the kids, it was such a great thing because that month, if you guys remember me talking about it, it culminated with C with the pole where we had kids uh, get to learn about something for the entire month and, and build their faith in it and then have the chance to go live it out. And like Terry said, faith without works is dead. So it was, it was such an awesome moment for all of the leaders. I think on any given Friday night, there's usually between 13 and 29 leaders that show up on a Friday night uh, to, to have uh, with us. And, and they do a great job. But we were just so excited to be able to watch the kids go out. And so uh, tonight, what I really want to talk to you guys about is putting God first. And we're going to look at a couple examples. If you would, flip over to Exodus 2. And I would go on and brag more about the youth, but I don't see the, a bunch of them here. But we have the best youth group in the world, by the way. They're, they're in bed because they have school tomorrow. So that's good parenting as well. We're going to go to Exodus 2, and uh, we'll start in verse 21. Uh, but what I want to do is look at the life of Moses and how putting God first uh, impacted his life. And, and, and if you go back and look at Moses, we know a lot about him. But early on, we know he was a basket baby. They found him in the river, uh, raised in Pharaoh's house. He killed a guy. He ran away. He met a girl and had a kid. All usually not good things that you tell your youth group to do. Uh, and then he started watching some sheep, and then that's where we pick up the story in Exodus 2.21. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. He gave Moses Zephora his daughter. So we find Moses here. He's self-made. He's married. He's working. has kids. He's happy. He's content. And God's about to interrupt his life. Verse 21, uh, down to verse 22. And she bore him a son and called his name Gershom. And he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Chapter 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. I don't know who he's talking to in the middle of the desert with a bunch of sheep. But I guess that happens sometimes when you're out by yourself. Verse 4, And when the Lord saw, he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes, off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. 
Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I come down to deliver them. This is God talking. And I come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Verse 9, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt." And I made a note, if you look back at verse 8, it's God saying, I've come down to deliver them. And then in verse 10, he says, I'll send you. He's talking to Moses. And nothing has changed. Pastor Mike's talked about this. Terry Mize talked about it. God needs people, right? God, God just couldn't go do it and deliver the people himself. He needed Moses, and he needs us today. So here, at this part of the story, we find Moses was doing just fine. He's married. He's happy. He's content. I think that's where a lot of us like to be is just... Just leave us alone. We're content with where we're at, right? And apparently God had other plans. In, in chapter 3, verse 14, uh, we're going to see from here on out, from verse 11 on out, uh, through the next chapter, Moses is going to go ahead and argue with God. Chapter 3, verse 14, God's getting uh, a little angry. And, he, and if, you, if they throw it up on the screen up there, uh, you'll notice in caps, God says, I am that I am. Now, if you guys ever text people or email, you know all caps is not a good thing. Like, if they're mad at you, right? And then he keeps going. Moses still complains. Verse 14, it says the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And that's in chapter 4. So he's gone on for a whole chapter on, on why not. No, I'm not going to go, God. No, no, no. And then we finally see in verse 420 that Moses goes. And it says, Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass and returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hands. He argued for a whole chapter, and by the, by the time this comes around, now he's all out of excuses, uh, and, and God was right. He realized God was right. God wasn't going to let up, and it was time for him to get back to putting God first in his life. And I think it's interesting, if you look back at who his father-in-law was, who, whose daughter he married, she, uh, he was a priest. So it's not like he's been absent from the things of God. You know, this, these are things that uh, he still knew about. He was still learning to grow about, but he was content. You know, he was, we'll call him a, a Sunday Christian. He was content just to be there doing his everyday, day-to-day -day job. Still knew about God. That's why he feared him and took off his shoes when he saw who he was. That's why he hid his face. It wasn't that he didn't know anything about God, but he just was doing his own thing. Right? It's easy to do that. Just our day-to-day, -day, just getting by. We're happy with where we're at. It says he was content. And then we know the rest of the story. Moses put God first, decided to finally put God first after arguing. Uh, and you know the arguments. He had insecurities about the way that he talked. He didn't know if they would listen to him. He, he made God, uh, you know, God showed him, I would give you all these cool tricks to show them that I'm real, that I'm with you. So he got over all his insecurities, finally put God first and went. Uh, if God has something on your heart and you're making excuses, that means you're putting those excuses in front of God. You're putting something else in front of God. 
uh, against Pharaoh, God, God, he put God first, and there was miracles and signs followed. You know the story, the Red Sea. He put God first. They didn't know what to do. Put God first. God protected them and made a way. In the wilderness, there was no food, no water. The same people that were crying out to God to deliver them were delivered, and now they want to kill Moses because he brought them out of there. Uh, so Moses turns and says, guys, I, uh, okay, let me go. And he goes and he puts God first. And what does God do? God provides. And then after Moses, clearly they had learned something from him. After Moses, you know the battle of Jericho. It was an impossible situation. They, God tells them how to do it. They listen. They follow after him, and they win. And in the very next fight, the battle of Ai, they're so excited uh, about winning Jericho. They don't even stop to think where to go next. And people decided, a couple people in the camp decided not to listen to God. They decided to put their own desires first and grab some stuff that they weren't supposed to grab. And when they go out to fight Ai, they get, they get thumped. They come back, and they start complaining, God, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. And then finally... They, they, they finally ask God. And when God tells them, hey, this person did this, you guys didn't listen to what I told you. And then God, they get everything right and God says, okay, now go. And guess what happened? They win. Right? It's, all, it's something that they learn to put God first. And I love the example in the Old Testament. God's example for his children, for us, was put me first and I'll help you. I'll provide for you. I'll give you victory. Put me first. And we know, we know what the Bible says. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If you need security, put God first. Provision, put God first. Health, put God first. And all of these things will be added. Moses' decision to step out uh, of his own life in Exodus 2 and step into what God had completely cho- changed the course of, of history. And, and I love the difference. That when God comes on the scene, the difference in Moses in the two instances that when he left Egypt. Right? We see him the first time after killing somebody. He runs away fearful. He's running fearful of his life. And, and now when he comes back, when God's on the scene and God's the center focus of his life, he's bellying up to Pharaoh. These, these are, this is a man that the people regarded as God, or at least he regarded himself as God. And he, he's not fearful anymore and running away. This time he's bellying right up to the king of his people, the, the God of these people, and he walks out victorious. I think what a difference in the same person in the same person when you allow God to lead and direct you, to put God first. Now, I know uh, a lot of the times we hear stories, we hear Joshua and sun stand still, and we hear Moses and parting the Red Sea, and we're like, cool, that's not, that's not really my thing. You know, God's, uh, you know, I'm an engineer, and God's not necessarily calling me to go uh, break an entire people out of bondage in a nation that's far away. And we, we tend to look at these examples as these far-off things, as things that, uh, that we think are great stories and a great, great um, example of faith, but that will never really have to apply, right? The, the whole story of Moses, I'm not going to lead an entire, uh, you know, people out of, uh, out of, out of slavery or things like that. And we start to put these things further off as if they're just kind of stories. And, and, and I think it's amazing how God uses people like Terry Mize and, and called him from what he was doing to go all over the world and do things that, uh, that I can't even imagine. He, we had lunch on Sunday. He was talking about some of the stuff that he's eaten. No, thank you. You know, I'm glad that God called me here to be, you know, to be here with the youth where there's an in and out and a Chick-fil-A and Chipotle really close 
But we look at these things or we hear stories like Terry Mize and, uh, and we just t- tend to put them off. Oh, because God's not calling me that way. God hasn't called me that way. And, uh, and so what I want to do is, is maybe look at an example, uh, one more example in the Bible about putting God first and maybe one that we can relate a little bit closer to. So flip back just a couple pages to Exodus 1. We're going to start in verse 8. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass, that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of our land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities in Pittim and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. That means it was tough. The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, when you do the office of the midwife, in essence, when you're doing your job, to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. Uh, Pharaoh's telling these Hebrew midwives that if a son is born, to kill him. Uh, it's it's so wrong to think uh, think on terms like that, and uh, and Pastor Mike talks about it all the time that the devil has nothing new, right? We we see this with uh, the king of Egypt wanting to kill the boys. We saw this with Herod and Jesus, and and we have the same devil, that same evil spirit going on today. And we call it abortion. It's just the same spirit over and over. The same devil. He's up to nothing new. Verse seventeen. But the midwives feared God. And it did, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men, children alive. I've said this in youth, but there's a lot of good buts in the Bible, and this is a really this this is a really huge but. It says, "But the midwives in verse 17, but the midwives feared feared God." So instead of doing what they were instructed to do by the king, they decided to put God first. And, and you guys know to defy a king as a servant in this time wasn't a good thing. You weren't treated real nicely. It wasn't, it wasn't how uh, we tend to get disciplined in schools or anything today. You know, uh, you know, you have more homework, right? This was, it wasn't a slap on the wrist. If you defied a king, if you defied someone above you, a lot of the times the penalty was death. So here we see that they feared God. They trusted that God would protect and serve them. They put him first, and that's just what they did. In verse 21, 20 and 21, therefore God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty and it came to pass because the midwives feared god that he made them houses you guys they chose to put him first and defy the king and god honored them he protected them and he blessed them verse 22 pharaoh charged all his people saying every son that is born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive the midwives ordinary people in their everyday jobs put god first and if you'll notice This lands us right at the beginning of chapter 2, so let's keep reading. And there went a man 
of the house of Levi and took wife and, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a godly child, she said she hid him for three months. This is still the king's orders was to kill them. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of... of <laughs> bull, bull, what does it say on the screen? Bulrushes. Bull I, I didn't look that up, so you can tell me what that means later. Uh, we've seen the pictures and the animations when we were kids, right? Made him a bushel basket. <laughs> and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child... It was like your original DIY project, right? And put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river bank. And there's, there's a couple of verses I want you to know uh, to keep going here. And a sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. I love in verse 6 that, that they had compassion on him. And it reminded me very quickly of the verse that said, uh, when you're a child of God, you can expect favor with God and with men. I just thought that was a cool little thing. And then in verse 9, um, if you notice, verse 8, it said, called the child's mother. And so what ends up happening is what the devil intended to kill, kill still, and destroy. The devil intended to take this kid from his mom to, 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 writ, to take the opportunity to love on this child away from the mom, to kill this kid. And what happens... Uh, instead of uh, Satan getting his way, this kid finds favor, this, this, this Hebrew woman finds favor, and her child is found. So not only, if you look in verse 9, not only is her child saved, but now she gets to nurse her own kid and get paid to do it, right? Like, the, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it, right? So she did whatever she could, and she, she put it in God's hands, and and what happens? She gets blessed. She not only gets to hang out with her kid, but she doesn't have to worry about hiding him anymore. And then she gets paid to do it. That's pretty cool. Verse 10. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses. You guys, I wanted to, to not just leave the story with Moses about, you know, we have figures like a, a Michael Jordan or things like that in sports that people elevate to this level. And a lot of times we can do that with what we would consider heroes of the Old Testament. Now, uh, we read them out loud, but what were the, the midwives' names? Exactly. Right? And that's, and that's exactly why I wanted to talk about them tonight, because it, it's not uh, a story of somebody that's just super famous and all of a sudden they're this role This is people in their everyday lives. This is you. This is me going to, to work. The, the midwife resurgency is back. I have a lot of friends from high school that are midwives. And like, this is their job. This is what they're doing. They're delivering kids. And I love that God doesn't need you to be on some crazy thing. Doesn't need you to be super far away. I love that God can use you right here in the everyday. Right? How often do we look for opportunities to serve God when we are computer programming? How often do we look for opportunities to serve God if we're an artist? How many, how many times do we look for an opportunity to serve God if we're a server at a restaurant? 
We've separated so much our day-to-day, unless you're a, a pastor or a youth volunteer. We've separated so much our day-to-day activities when these were just, not just, I didn't mean to say it like that. These were midwives who were doing their normal everyday stuff, but chose to put God first. And we know the result because they chose to put him first and defy the king. That we have Moses. Now they weren't the ones that led people out of, out of Egypt. But they were ones that put God first and he used that as a starting place for something huge. I made a note here that says, you putting God first changes things. You putting God first in the little things allows, allows huge things like setting an entire nation free to happen. You want to make a difference? Put God first now, right where you are every day. There's a a lot to the rest of this, but without the midwives, we don't have uh, what we consider the Bible. We We don't have these things because Moses didn't happen. He would have been dead not even thrown into the river. He would have been dead before he hit the river, right? There's, there, there's things that you do every day. I think there was a movie, or I, I take it back, I was watching a cartoon with my kids the other day where people go back in time and they changed one little thing and they come back. You guys have seen Back to the Future. It was basically a cartoon spinoff of that where some kids made a time machine. But he goes back and changes one little thing and then the future is completely different. And, he, and if we think about our day-to-day tasks... Right. We if we go to, you know, if we go to do sales on a day to day basis, how often do we think about God in sales? Right. When there's so much more that we could be impacting when we put God first, even in a sales job, even in a server job, even working at Nordstrom's and picking out super awesome outfits by putting God first in those things. You never know when you're going to have the opportunity to make a decision like these midwives made. I think it's a huge misconception about putting God first that you have to go on a missions trip to do it, that you have to go uh, somewhere else to do it, that just somewhere different. I mean, how many times do we, we think about putting God first in our church, right? I, I think if we thought about that more, we'd be fighting off volunteers with sticks for kids ministry. Shameless plug, please volunteer. But if we decided to put God first in the little things, and I love that, that they didn't have to go anywhere to do it. We see and we romanticize uh, Moses and the guys like that that completely changed the country they were in, completely changed the scenario that they were in to go do something great for God. And all of that is so amazing. If God calls you to go to a far off land to preach the gospel, please go. That's absolutely needed. That's absolutely necessary. Um, but young people, I'm going to speak to you for a minute. Young people these days like to plan things. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? We have, we have uh, young people that like to plan things, and not just how you would plan like a normal meeting to go execute. We like to have meetings to talk about when we're going to have a meeting to talk about the next meeting that's going to take place. Right? And it's, and it's uh, okay. It's fine, but we, we do so much of this, especially when we have an idea to go on a missions trip or we have an idea to go anywhere else that we, than from where we are now. We have so many ideas. Uh, we, have to, we have to get a GoFundMe set up so people can help us pay for it. We, we start planning all these different things out, and we forget that we're supposed to be serving right where we are. We forget that putting God first and going into the world starts as soon as you open the church door. There's a whole world out there. 
And so many times we want to go do these romantic things like Moses. We want to go far away to do it. And we, we, we neglect the fact that we can be used right here and right now like the midwives were. I underline, go into all the world. That includes where you are now. If you're called to go, go. By all means, go. But don't let that be the reason that you waste time where you currently are. Great. Put God first. We've read two cool stories. But how do we do that? Uh, If you guys flip back a couple of scriptures to, to Genesis 17. And guys, I don't know if you can pull it up in the Amplified. We spent a lot of time with Renee Mize over the past week, and she loves the Amplified, so it kind of rubs off on you. Isn't it good when you hear people just talk about the delight they take in the Word and how much they love the Word of God? It just radiates from them, and it gets on you, right? So I have an Amplified Bible now. (laughs) Genesis 17, verse 1. I am God Almighty. Walk habitually before me with integrity, knowing that you are always in my presence, and be blameless and complete, perfect. You guys, putting God first requires you developing the right habits. The midwives didn't wake up that morning to decide that that was the day they were going to follow God. They had, this is something that they had had to decide previously. They had confidence in God. They knew, they knew the repercussions should they defy the king and get caught. They knew what would happen to them, but they knew their God was greater. They knew that they could stick with God, and they had made that choice before that morning or before the king ever came to them. Um, I, was, I was riding with Terry and Renee to the airport on Monday, and we started having a conversation. And it was largely about the youth group because that's where their heart is, and uh, that's where they spend a lot of time. And I've only been there a year, so they're pouring in a lot. Not even a year. What month is this? It's only been like eight months. But they, they were pouring in so much to me, and I appreciate so much of it. And one of the things that he said uh, that was something that they did with youth groups all the time is that they would sit down and write some guidelines. Right? They would have the teenagers uh, really consider some, drawing some lines in the sand about dating, about hanging out with certain people, about partying, about whatever challenge may come up, about sex, about whatever it would be, to really draw some lines in the sand to make some decisions, to draw some lines in the sand, and then take it to God in prayer. Say, God, this is between you and me now. This is, this is what I'm deciding to do. So in the moment, so when they were out somewhere and, and they decided that they weren't going to be in the places where alcohol was going to be on a Friday night. So when they were out at the football game and the rest of the crew was deciding to go over uh, to, to somebody whose parents' house weren't home and raid the backyard barbecue fridge, they already had their line drawn. There wasn't an emotional response to, hey, this is cool. Hey, peer pressure's here. Hey, let's go. They had already drawn their line in the sand. And I thought that was such a great thing, not only for for young people and and for teenagers, but for us. In what areas are we going to decide to put God first? The short answer is all of it. But how can we do that? And it's by making those habits. And and I love that, that we got to put those there. And it reminded me in this story because it wasn't something the midwives decided that day. It was a line that they had drawn in the sand before that they would serve God. I have a note here, and it's talking, after talking about uh, how God took Moses to another land, he did signs and wonders and miracles through him because Moses 
decided to follow after God. He took the midwives right where they were, right in their same job, in their city, their social settings, their families. And because they put God first, they made a way for Moses to come into the world. He took Moses' rod, something that was used every day as a shepherd, a a common object, nothing really special. You could find a bunch of them. Uh, But it would be the same rod that he would lift up to part the Red Sea, that he would hit the rock to, to part the water. And I made the note that says, what the world calls ordinary, when used by God, becomes something that can change the world. Yes, I'm talking about you. In in youth, in September, I showed a video. um, It was on YouTube, and it was just something simple, but it was the conscious decision every morning of of a teenager. And when they'd roll over, the first thing it panned to in the morning was the Bible next to his bed with his phone sitting next to it. And, you know, you do the little Jiminy Cricket guy on each shoulder, and you kind of reach over, and he would decide for the phone. And then the next scene, I don't know how it worked out, but the, the Bible was in the bathroom for the next scene. Just, but every scene, he was, he was deciding to put other things in front of the Bible. And I thought that it was an interesting video to show how, uh, how habit- habitually it's so easy to choose other things over God. I mean, here's something for us. A good habit to develop when trying to put God first, to focus on God first, is to do it first thing in the morning. Read the Bible, pray, put Him first before you pick up your phone, put Him first before you check Facebook, put Him first before you drive through Starbucks, put Him first before you turn on the news, put God first. We should be able to schedule our lives around the one who gave us life. The choice is ours, and we set, we set in place our own habits and our own procedures and how we're going to do things, our own priorities. Um, I'll let you go here in a minute, but what I wanted to, to look at, uh, just a quick comparison. I talked about Abraham and the rich young ruler the last time that I spoke. But what I love is that Abraham chose to put the promise of God above everything else. Everything was working against him, or his body wasn't working, so in, in turn that was working against him. His wife's body, age. Uh, he put God first and the impossible happened. And, and the one part that I really like about the story that I think is relevant for us today as well is that he put God first over his promised child. Uh, when, I, when I read that story, and I have great people in my life, and, uh, and I have some really good friends, but I've seen a lot of times that the parents will start to elevate and worship the kid. They start, they start to put so much importance on the child or on their sports and how good they are at stuff that pretty soon God's become second, even behind, behind a child. And I think it's, it happens so fast. You know, you, all of a sudden, one day the kid's good at soccer and somebody gives you a, a, a snippet that maybe he'll make the Olympics one day. And so now that's every focus. Every Sunday is now playing club soccer, right? Not to mention that you're paying for it right? God loves a cheerful giver, not a cheerful waster of money, right? Like, (laughs) I love you, Dad. Thanks for putting me through club soccer. (laughs) But I think that's, that's a part that, that we just tend to kind of go, go about. And I think very easily it could be uh, something that God was using to see where Abraham's priority was. Was it on this child? Was it on the, the, the child of promise that he wouldn't let go of? Or was his focus going to be on God? Was he going to put God first? And then you know the rich young ruler. He acted like he wanted to put God first. And when push came to shove, he couldn't do it. He had elevated other things above God. And, and I wrote in my notes, does anybody know what the first commandment is? You don't have to. Okay, let's pretend I didn't ask that as a question. Flip to Exodus 20. <laughs> 
This is kind of the last thing I just want to touch on before I let you guys go. Exodus 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. You guys, the first commandment is literally put God first. And the rich young ruler couldn't do it. And, and I asked this question to the youth. Do we really think that God was worried about false gods? Was he worried about Zeus or Apollo or all these really cool Greek names for a dog? Was, it, was, he, was he worried about those? We, we know it's important because he talks about it again in Deuteronomy 5. In Deuteronomy 5, he says the same thing. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is verse 7. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or in the earth beneath, that are in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. You guys, if, if God knows and God does know that there's no other real gods, right? Do you, think, do you think God's really worried about a Zeus or an Apollo, a made-up figure? Is God really worried about uh, another god? No, what are these things? These are, these are just things, right? And the key is in verse 8. Anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth, thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them nor serve them. Guys, what he's saying is don't make gods out of anything else. Right? These weren't real gods. These were, these were people-made gods. Zeus, Apollo, Ares, all of these things that, we, that make really cool uh, superhero movies. When I was growing up, there was a show called Hercules with Kevin Sorbo. I thought that was really cool. Looking back on it now, it wasn't really that cool. <laughs> but he's saying, don't make gods out of anything else. Don't bow down and serve them means don't worship them, don't reverence them, or don't place them as superior. You guys, we are in a world full of uh, what God was warning about, in a world full of uh, other gods, Right, We understand they're not real gods, but in things that the world has placed as other gods, some people, it might be their job, it might be uh, how their friends see them, it might be their iPhones. Uh, they won't call it worship, but they spend all their time thinking and talking about these things, about spending time talking and thinking about other things than God. And, and I think God's smart enough to know that in our time that we wouldn't be so concerned with with a Zeus, but we'd be more concerned about social media and our iPhones. <laughs> I think God knew that, and that's why he put that commandment in place for us. See, why the people of the Bible times were consumed with, uh, you know, making up gods to bless their harvest, to bless the water, to bless them as they went to war. They were making up all these gods. We've, we've done the same thing today. We've just done it with other things. We call it movies. We call it Instagram. We call it LuLaRoe. We call it politics. The distraction and the placement of God in our lives is the same as, these older, as the older time people. We just do it with different objects. You guys, it's super important to God. No other gods before me. And here's why. It's because God knew the value of you when he made you. God made you in his image. There's nothing else that even comes close. So much so that it shocked the angels when he made us. No other gods before me. Why? Because there's nothing else above you. You are just a little lower than Elohim, than God himself. God doesn't want you to serve or bow down to anything that's already below you. 
There's only one thing. There's one thing that's above you, and that's God. When our lives are driven by likes on Instagram, we start becoming subservient to it. And that's not where God's placed you. He placed you just under him, not trying to find value from your social media pages. You guys, we don't bow or serve anything that's below us. We shouldn't. Now, that's what God's telling us about, right? These made-up figures are below us. These, these circumstances are below us. These things are all below us. And, we, and as a society, we've continued to elevate them to the statute of a God, right? I mean, in, a, in anybody under 30, Steve Jobs is like, you know, the third coming of Jesus. You know, he's the guy that did Apple for you older people, right? He did, he, he did Mac, right? Every, everything that, that, uh, that people in the back half of the room have is usually Apple, all the computer equipment back there. It's all Apple. That's what it is. Dad, don't show them your Galaxy Note. <laughs> Guys, don't elevate anything else. This comes by making the right habits. Setting God first in the morning. We don't worship down. We don't worship our families. We don't worship our jobs. We don't worship our friends. We don't worship our money. We don't worship our children. God wasn't joking when he said put him first and all these things would be added. You guys, if you want to be the best husband, the best wife, the best boyfriend, girlfriend, the best employee, the best uh, owner of a company, the best worker at a job, the best student, that all comes by putting God first. The midwives, they did the best job as a midwife in that instance because they put God first. Moses did the best that he could as a leader because he chose to put God first. You guys, when God's first place in your life, it makes you a better person. When you're chasing after God and putting him first place in your life, it makes you a better Christian. He makes us better when we put him first. Let's choose to put him first and be the best we can. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this night. Thank you that... Uh, With you, you take common, you take unclean, and you make holy, righteous, bold people that are willing to chase after you, people that are willing to set this place on fire, people that are are willing to, to go and change nations like Moses, and people that are willing to serve you and put you first in our everyday lives, from accounting to programming to serving. God, help us to understand what it adds to us when we put you first. When we add, add the blessing that adds no sorrow to it and we chase after you and, and trust you completely like Abraham versus trusting in ourselves and our own riches like the rich young ruler. God, help us to understand that with you, we are better. Instead of trying to do it on our own, we have you that can uh, add any insufficiencies that we have. You make up the difference. Your word says that our sufficiency is in Christ. Thank you that that's who you called us to be to be ready, equipped, and able to go, to not be time wasters, to not be people who will just sit and plan to go and do something, but people that actually do it. God, we thank you for the calling that you put on each one in here. Whether it's to go near, stay near, or whether it's to go far, but that once we walk out these doors, we know that that is the world your word is talking about. to where we are supposed to go and to teach where we're supposed to go and show your love. Help us to be examples in our own lives and our own families of putting you first. That when people ask us, hey, did you see the news this morning? We can say no. And they ask us why not. Said, oh, I was reading my Bible. Oh, did you see what so-and-so said on Facebook? No, but why not? I was reading my Bible. Not boastful, not arrogant, but just simply putting you first. 
so that it becomes just what we do and who we are, not just a choice that we make every day. Father, thank you for helping us to make the choice to instill good habits, habits that place you first place in our lives, before the gym, before Starbucks, that when we wake up in the morning, our first response is you, that when we go to bed at night, our first response is you, and every moment in between, our first response is you, because when we involve you in our decisions, when we involve you in our day-to-day lives, it makes it better. You lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit, so we know that we can trust when you bear witness with us, that that is the right thing to do. Help us, God, to keep you first place right where we're at right now in our day-to-day lives. We love you, Father God. We thank you for this church family. We thank you for Pastor Mike and Beth and Katie that they've just had an awesome trip. We thank you that as they board the plane uh, this coming morning that uh, they just have traveling mercies, that your angels go and they prepare a way for them, Father God, that they have favor with everybody at check-in and at check-out and at customs. Angels, go forth and make a way as I drive up to pick them up at LAX tomorrow at 6 o'clock. We thank you for favor, God. Thank you that when we put you first, we can count on you. And you never, ever fail. We love you, God. We thank you for this night. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, we love you. Thank you for being here. I took roll. The ushers have your names down. So you'll get a star on the sheet in Pastor Mike's office letting him know that you were here. But we love you. Put God first. Be the best you who he's called you to be. Amen. We love you guys. Have a great week.